Preface of the Diary of Samuel Pepys, sixteen sixty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. The Diary of Samuel Pepys, sixteen sixty. By Samuel Pepys. The Diary of Samuel Pepys, M. A. F. R. S. Clerk of the Acts and Secretary to the Admiralty. Transcribed from the shorthand manuscript in the Pepysian Library, Magdalen College, Cambridge, by the Reverend Minos Bright, M.A., late Fellow and President of the College. 1660 by Samuel Pepys, edited with additions by Henry B. Wheatley, F.S.A. Preface. Although the diary of Samuel Pepys has been in the hands of the public for nearly seventy years, it has not hitherto appeared in its entirety. In the original edition of 1825, scarcely half of the manuscript was printed. Lord Braybrook added some passages, as the various editions were published, but in the preface to his last edition he wrote, There appeared indeed no necessity to amplify or in any way to alter the text of the diary, beyond the correction of a few verbal errors and corrupt passages, hitherto overlooked. The public knew nothing as to what was left unprinted, and there was therefore a general feeling of gratification when it was announced some eighteen years ago that a new edition was to be published by the Reverend Minus Bright, with the addition of new matter equal to a third of the whole. It was understood that at last the diary was to appear in its entirety. But there was a passage in Mr. Bright's preface which suggested a doubt respecting the necessary completeness. He wrote, It would have been tedious to the reader if I had copied from the diary the account of his daily work at the office. As a matter of fact, Mr. Bright left, roughly speaking, about one-fifth of the whole diary still unprinted, although he transcribed the whole, and bequeathed his transcript to Magdalen College. It has now been decided that the whole of the diary shall be made public, with the exception of a few passages, which cannot possibly be printed. It may be thought by some that these omissions are due to an unnecessary squeamishness, but it is not really so and readers are therefore asked to have faith in the judgment of the editor. Where any passages have been omitted, marks of omission are added, so that in all cases readers will know where anything has been left out. Lord Braybrook made the remark in his life of Pepys that the cipher employed by him greatly resembles that known by the name of Richard's system. When Mr. Bright came to decipher the manuscript, he discovered that the shorthand system used by Pepys was an earlier one than Richard's, viz. that of Thomas Shelton who made his system public in 1620. In his various editions, Lord Braybrook gave a large number of valuable notes, in the collection and arrangement of which he was assisted by the late Mr. John Holmes of the British Museum, and the late Mr. James Yeowell, sometimes sub-editor of Notes and Queries. Where these notes are left unaltered in the present edition, the letter B has been affixed to them, but in many instances the notes have been altered and added to from later information, and in these cases no mark is affixed. A large number of additional notes are now supplied, but still much has had to be left unexplained. Many persons are mentioned in the diary, who were little known in the outer world, and in some instances it has been impossible to identify them. In other cases, however, it has been possible to throw light upon these persons, by reference to different portions of the diary itself. I would here ask the kind assistance of any reader who is able to illustrate passages that have been left unnoted. I have received much assistance from the various books in which the diary is quoted. 
Every writer on the period covered by the diary has been pleased to illustrate his subject by quotations from Pepys, and from these books it has often been possible to find information which helps to explain difficult passages in the diary. Much illustrative matter of value was obtained by Lord Braybrook from the diurnal of Thomas Rugg, which is preserved in the British Museum. The following is the description of this interesting work as given by Lord Braybrook, Mercurius Politicus Redivivus, or a collection of the most material occurrences and transactions in public affairs since Anno Domini, 1659, until 28th March, 1672, serving as an annual diurnal for future satisfaction and information, by Thomas Rugg. Es natura hominum novitatis avida, Plinius. This manuscript belonged, in 1693, to Thomas Gray, 2nd Earl of Stamford. It has his autograph at the commencement, and on the sides are his arms, four quarterings in gold. In 1819 it was sold by auction in London, as part of the collection of Thomas Lloyd, Esquire, number 1465, and was then bought by Thomas Thorpe, bookseller. Whilst Mr. Lloyd was the possessor, the manuscript was lent to Dr. Lingard, whose note of thanks to Mr. Lloyd is preserved in the volume. From Thorpe it appears to have passed to Mr. Heber, at the sale of whose manuscripts in February 1836 by Mr. Evans of Pall Mall. It was purchased by the British Museum for eight pounds eight shillings. Thomas Rugg was descended from an ancient Norfolk family, and two of his ancestors are described as aldermen of Norwich. His death has been ascertained to have occurred about 1672, and in the diary for the preceding year he complains that on account of his declining health his entries will be but few. Nothing has been traced of his personal circumstances, beyond the fact of his having lived for fourteen years in Covent Garden, then a fashionable locality. Another work I have found of the greatest value is the late Mr. J. E. Doyle's Official Baronage of England, 1886, which contains a mass of valuable information not easily to be obtained elsewhere. By reference to its pages I have been enabled to correct several erroneous dates in previous notes, caused by a very natural confusion of years in the case of the months of January, February, and March, before it was finally fixed that the year should commence in January instead of March. More confusion has probably been introduced into history from this than from any other cause of a like nature. The reference to two years, as in the case of, say, January 5, 1661 to 62, may appear clumsy, but it is the only safe plan of notation. If one year only is mentioned, the reader is never sure whether or not the correction has been made. It is a matter for sincere regret that the popular support was withheld from Mr. Doyle's important undertaking, so that the author's intention of publishing further volumes, containing the baronies not dealt with in those already published, was frustrated. My labours have been much lightened by the kind help which I have received from those interested in the subject. Lovers of Pepys are numerous, and I found those I have applied to ever willing to give me such information as they possess. It is a singular pleasure, therefore, to have an opportunity of expressing publicly my thanks to these gentlemen, and among them I would especially mention Messrs. Fennell, Danby P. Fry, J. Elliot Hodgkin, Henry Jackson, J. K. Lafton, Julian Marshall, John Biddle Martin, J. E. Matthew, Philip Norman, Richard B. Prosser, and Hugh Callender, Fellow of Trinity College, who verified some of the passages in the manuscript. To the Master and Fellows of Magdalen College also, I am especially indebted for allowing me to consult the treasures of the Pepsian Library, and more particularly my thanks are due to Mr. Arthur G. Peskett, the Librarian. H. B. W. Brampton, 
Oppidans Road, London, N.W., February 1893. End of Preface